Hey there, it's the Planet Football Podcast. Grant Wall here with Luis Miguel Garay. How are you? Take me home, <laughs> Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Somebody's very happy today. I'm just glad I showed up on Monday morning to work. <laughs> I know. I was worried. Um, I was worried I was going to talk to a wall. I'll, I'll get or get our producer Harry to just fill in for you, which would have been an interesting podcast. But still, happy for you, my friend. How are you? Did you sleep? Uh, I did sleep about five hours. Uh, I always get up. I, I'm a Chiefs fan, by the way, in case any of you don't know, <laughs> and uh, I've been going to Chiefs games for 40 years and. My team won the Super Bowl last night for the first time in my lifetime. Amazing. Uh, in, a, in a great game. Um, yeah. Great comeback. Uh, Chiefs were down double digits again, this time in the fourth quarter. And Pat Mahomes decided to do what he does. And he had kind of a bad game until that point. He did. I believe some amazing stats at the end, right? He became the youngest MVP uh, win on the Super Bowl. I believe that you, the Chiefs became the first team to, you know, come back and win from 20 points and then win, uh, you know, for, for that, you know, the fact that you came back from, from 20 down. It was quite a game. It was awesome. I'm very happy for Pat Mahomes. He seems like such a, just a great human being and, and somebody that truly wants to not just win, but help his team as well. Soccer fan. He's also a soccer fan. Well, see, now I like him even more. <laughs> well, who's his team though? He's going to say- Kansas City. No, but like, does he have a Premier League team as well? I mean, obviously, oh, he's going to be a, okay, so Alan Polito fan over here then. I wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Mahomes in an Alan Polito shirt. That would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, congrats, congrats. Awesome. Thank you. So, I mean, like, the hard part was getting up today. I always get up at 5 a.m. on Mondays to prepare for this podcast. And then I also have a session with my trainer, and then I come in, and we do this around 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Why do you make me look bad? I just woke up. I, this is my one day of the week when I get up that early. I don't do that every day, but it's uh, it was a challenge because I did open a special bottle that I've been saving uh, last night once the game was over. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I got special bottles for a couple other occasions, uh, which I may get into at some point, but don't well, want to jinx anything. If one's when the U.S. wins the World Cup, <laughs> at least <laughs> at least the, the, the older the wine, right? <laughs> Hey, I'm not, listen, Peru's not going anywhere near that world, so it's fine. <laughs> so we got several topics, as we typically do. We always start with England, then we go to the European continent, then we go to North America. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about Man City somehow losing to Spurs, now 22 points behind Liverpool, which seems like a fake stat, but is actually true. Uh, we'll get into Capa getting benched uh, for Willie Caballero, uh, who did Willie Caballero things. And we're going to talk about Erling Holland, who continues to score goals for Dortmund. He's insane. Uh, Chiro Immobile, Bayern Munich back on top in Germany. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona both win, perhaps a bit unconvincingly. Um, we're going to talk about missing the Champions League, which I'm starting to really feel it. Um, North America, we're going to get into Inter-Miami, looking to land Rodolfo Pizarro. Uh, U.S. men's national team, one nothing win over Costa Rica. U.S. women's national team, smooth sailing so far through Olympic qualifying. Christine Sinclair, we're going to talk about her record. I want to talk about the MLS kits. Um, so there's a lot to talk about here, my friend. Let's start in England. Man City basically dominates Ch- or, uh, Spurs uh, as long as they had 11 men. Ends up losing to Spurs 2-0. Steven Bergwine, new player for Spurs. Really nice goal. Um, and 
here we are now, Liverpool winning again for nothing. And for me, the story is Man City, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's this game of ours is kind of. I mean, I, like you said, I, when it was halftime, it was unbelievable that it was still nil nil. Of a Man City giving you the uh, usual statistics, you know, more than 65% possession. Uh, Sergio Aguero hit the post, but he also produced so much uh, attacking. For I thought Riyad Mahrez was having uh, a pretty good game. Um, it, the ball just basically wasn't going in. Is basically the situation. Everything was was going according to plan, and Tottenham was lucky to stay in it uh, in that point. And then came the sending off, and. Things obviously changed. I didn't think that Tottenham would take advantage, even though they had an extra man. But uh, and they were, you know, Steven uh, Bergwijn's goal was was fantastic. Yeah. That pretty much just shocked Man City once again. I mean, obviously, we had to talk about you know the, the entire penalty fiasco that was going on throughout. Uh, uh, you know, the Raheem Sterling. Uh, you know. It, that second part, so obviously the, the, the penalty came, Lloris saved it, and then Raheem Sterling went for the ball, Lloris uh, appeared to have fouled him, yeah. VAR came in to check, and amazingly, it wasn't a penalty, uh, and then there was a little bit of ruckus. So there was so much drama going back and forth, there was a roller coaster of emotions, both from and off the field, you know, Mourinho and Guardiola were, uh, you know, just couldn't believe what they were seeing, and amazingly, amazingly, even though when they were ten, men, when they only had ten men, Tottenham still produced a win to nothing. And and to be honest, this was a game that Man City really should have had had it won in the first half. Well, and you mentioned possession; it, it was possession for Man City, but it was also chances. It wasn't sterile possession. Like if you look at the expected goals, it was like three something for Man City to less than one. For yeah, I'm Spurs. just saying, Man City had you know 19 shots to yeah. Tottenham's three. Yeah, so it's finishing as well. And there is something about this Man City team right now that it feels like the end of a cycle, I think. Um, and that happens in soccer when you're playing at, at such a high level because this is not the team that we saw the last two seasons that had more than 100 points one season, almost 100 points last season. And... Part of it's, you know, defensively, I don't think, you know, we talked about this. They didn't really replace company. They set themselves up to have injury issues. Stones has been poor. Um, you know, Fernandinho hasn't been that good as a center back. Uh, Laporte's finally back, but it's, there's just a, a real, a, a sense of, I don't know if it's staleness with, with this city team. And I also kind of wonder how much, of an impact there has been with Arteta leaving. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, Arteta, we knew that from being Pep Guardiola's assistant manager, had a tremendous influence in training just on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think uh, I think I go back to your other point about the staleness. I think that when you reached what what they reached last season, I mean, listen, let's not forget they're still in the Champions League. They're second. You know, Pep Guardiola even said it after the, the post game. He was asked, you know, whether you know this was basically over, and he said, "Well, yeah, Liverpool and <laughs> running away with it, and our focus is Champions League qualification and the Champions League." Um, part of it, I think, is just the absolute overwhelming. Uh, way that Liverpool has been producing that no matter what happened, Man City was never going to catch up. But they've lost seven times this season. And and I think it goes to two main points. One is you 
Vincent Company's loss is huge. And I don't think that just means on the field. I think there's not enough leaders, I think, in that right. dressing room. I think they needed, um, you know, to really beef up their leadership. Um, obviously, there are great players uh, who have been there for a long time, but th there's something to be said about people who are willing to stick their necks out. When you look at Liverpool's side, you have Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson, I think even Mohamed Salah uh, says a lot uh, in that dressing room from an offensive standpoint. Alisson, of course. There are so many leaders, vocal people that are willing to live up to Jurgen Klopp's identity. And it seems staleness and a little bit tired, kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, we've done everything that we could last season, this for them, this period has just gone like a, you know, like a bad hangover, and it doesn't seem to be rectified. And I think they have a lot of thinking to do in the summer. I think uh, does Pep Guardiola stay? I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot depends on what they do in the Champions League. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think there, this Champions League is the is matchup that, against is Real Madrid huge. in the round of sixteen is looking harder and harder as time goes on for City. Yeah, I think so. I Absolutely. But I think uh, Guardiola's future with Man City depends a lot on what happens in the Champions League. I'm just curious, though. Who do you who do you get to replace? <laughs> I, like, I, I don't want to take this too far, but like, yeah. I mean, like, almost anybody's going to be a downgrade. Yeah, and you would have to, unless... It fits within his own model. Like you almost have to change the complete cultural identity of what Man City is. Books, you know, we can talk a lot about how Man City are not doing great this season, but what you know, and obviously the money that Man City just has has a, a allowed Pep Guardiola to create a squad that fits his own philosophy. But you cannot take for granted everything that he has done for this club and what he has brought to the Premier League. So like you said, anybody that comes to replace him would just almost feel like a downgrade, absolutely. But you would almost have to 180 it and completely change the identity of the Man City is. But who is that? Yeah, I, it's the old adage is that there are really only three-year cycles at the very top with the same, mostly the same group of players. And at a certain point, you have to rebuild and the question is, does Guardiola actually want to do that? Yeah. Um, let's talk about Chelsea and sort of a uh, an intriguing choice here by Frank Lampard to bench Kepa Rizabalaga, the goalkeeper. Still the most expensive goalkeeper in history, or is Allison now? I think it's Allison in terms of feedback. Uh, the we would have to double check, but he, it's it's Kepa or Allison. And, yeah, and I mean, he, like very expensive goalkeeper. <laughs> He's pricey, is what we're uh, trying to say. Who, granted, has been disappointing given that price tag. I think, but I don't think Willie Caballero is that good. And they bring in Caballero for this game at Leicester, and he's pretty directly at fault for one of the goals. Yeah, um, this game against Leicester City was always going to be difficult. Obviously, Leicester City at home trying to maintain its top four status. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, as well, trying to you know uh, climb up the table, make sure it guarantees Champions League for next season. It was always going to be difficult. Uh, Christian Pulisic is still missing, and I think they're missing him. They've missed him oh, a yeah. lot, I think. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, again, has not really lived up consistently to to the promise. Uh, Pedro started this one. 
Uh, Mason Mount has quietened down a bit. Tammy Abraham needs a lot more service. Um, but yeah, Willie Caballero is not exactly... I think Lampard's decision to do this, he knows Willie Caballero is not better than Kepa, but I think that during... I think it maybe it was kind of a wake-up call for Kepa saying, this is not a guaranteed spot for you. And I think that what I'm seeing day-to-day is not living up to you being one of the most expensive keepers in 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 the world and you know him still being pretty young hopefully he took that as a sign of saying all right i've got to do more here performance wise this game 2-2 by the way yeah it ended 2-0 which is a fair result for chelsea yeah. i think taking in mind of you know the players that they're missing but again we had this chat actually even during the holidays where my biggest concern with chelsea was you know this is a young squad and at some point as the season keeps going Youth is going to expose you because experience is the ultimate determinator when it comes to seeing how well you can do in the league. When you reach that March and April, when you're really just killing yourself to try and get those points, you know, they have a very young team. So, but, you know, a point away as Lister City uh, missing some players. And also, you know, they still, I think, I mean, what happens if Tammy Abraham gets hurt? for a long period of time they wanted to get rid of Giroud Giroud stayed eventually so plenty of questions but um, yeah I, let's see if Kepa comes back eventually and then you know uh, because he's not the only problem obviously well they ended up Chelsea not really doing much of anything in the transfer market buying or selling after everything and the transfer ban being reduced right. and the celebration of being able to buy again they did nothing and Lampard much. looked unhappy yeah about that and I'm sort of mystified too yeah, I am because the whole celebration was like finally we we yeah. fought this and and now we get that transfer window in and I think it's a lost opportunity because again they're playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League and so their schedule is going to get busy. They needed to add some people. Um, whether they had the money to do so is another question, but um, it's a lost opportunity, I think. Speaking of the transfer window ending, it was interesting to me to see how many. Of the moves that did get made in January, those players starting maybe sooner than I thought they would. I didn't think Bergwijn would start. Me neither. He did and scored. Um, Bruno Fernandez, promising, uh, I would say, with Man United, even though they had a nil-nil with Wolves. Yeah, Solskjaer sat him a little too deep, but it's okay. It's his debut. It's fine. But, he, I mean, Bruno Fernandez is a talent, so we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, Erling Holland, who we'll talk about in a second, who, who already feels like he's been at Dortmund for like a year, even though he's been there for like two weeks. Um, and then um, uh, Christian Eriksen yeah. uh, started for, for Inter, uh, which ended up getting a win, uh, kind of an ugly game to keep pace with Juve. Um, are there any other, like, transfers in january that you're particularly excited to to see and like like for for me i mean like now that they've changed the rule it used to be if you played in champions league with one club in the fall and then transferred in january you couldn't play with another club in champions league but they changed that a year or two ago and like erling holland even though he played for salzburg is going to get to play for dortmund yeah i mean and I think the key is how prepared were this team to receive him. Erling Haaland came early, like you know, there was already and they had a, a break. Exactly, there was a With, preparation right. for it. He had a break. Um, 
also like Minamino for Liverpool, like that basically happened way before even January right. even started. So you could see that a squad, you can tell when a team is really in communication with their board or their you know, uh, director of football operations to see who's coming so the coach and the coaching staff can prepare for who's to come. And then you see the, you know, the sort of late gut reaction people that feel that they need to, you know... Uh, this, you're talking about Man United? Yeah, probably. Odioni Gallo? <laughs> Odioni Gallo was playing in China for Shanghai SIPG and now is going on loan uh, to Man United. <laughs> His dream move. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, very happy for him. Uh, yeah. But it's just such a... Doesn't it feel like, oh, quick, we gotta <laughs> get somebody... <laughs> Uh, by the way, Paulo Guerrero has a 4.3 release clause. You could have used it. For, I mean, I'm just saying. But yeah, it was a very gut, uh, you know. I mean, did you see Bruno Fernandez's promotion presentation on social media? I mean, it felt like they spent more on that than they did on the player. Uh, January is such a tricky window, isn't it, Grant, though? It's like, because it's not, the summer feels like a blank slate. Right. Let's let's work on preseason. I mean, players come in as early as June. They have the entire summer to work on, especially if they have to, you know, go through international tournaments. January is the band-aid right. uh, transfer window where who's injured, who can help us. And because it's such a disbalanced, unbalanced uh, Premier League this year, a lot of the action really was on the teams that are either trying to stay in the Premier League or even try and reach European qualification. I mean, Arsenal did a little bit of business with Pablo Mari coming from Flamengo, etc. But it felt very, you know, like you said, aside from Erling Haaland, there was nothing really to me that said, wow. Uh, while we're in England here, let's ask the question, who do we see actually finishing in the top four? Now, I assume we, we got Liverpool. I assume we got City. Um Leicester and Chelsea in third and fourth, and now Tottenham and Mourinho are within striking distance in fifth place. Sheffield United, my friend. Yes. <laughs> one, yes. one point behind Tottenham. Amazing. Uh, and then Man United, uh, one point behind them, even with Wolves. So it's tricky. I don't. Okay. Liverpool, obviously, uh, winning this. Man City, I think, will hold on to that second spot. And then it's, uh, it's a battle between those last two. Um, and if I'm looking at it right now, I don't really see any... I think Leicester City will stay. I do too, which is an amazing story yeah. for them to, if they do that again. Because just the way that they've been playing, like right. even, even when they have lost, they haven't... Brendan Rodgers' side hasn't shown me any signs of inconsistency. Like right. They've performed. Whereas Chelsea has given me a night and day situation. Right. And the same with Tottenham. So that last spot is a trickier one. If I have to take a gamble here, if I'm a betting man, just because of the way that each club has reacted and, and what they have in store and what they have left, I would probably go and say that Mourinho will sneak this one and Tottenham will take fourth. I'm already going to predict that not only will Spurs sneak into fourth, but Mourinho will call it the greatest achievement of... Like, <laughs> like this is one of the greatest <laughs> achievements of my career. Maybe the greatest. That'd be hilarious. I got Tottenham into the top four. I want to tell you something. This is the greatest. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, why not, right? I mean, and again, but again, you have to look at strength of schedule and what's remaining. The big one is Chelsea is playing Tottenham 22nd of this month. That's huge. And, you know, in the middle of uh, Leipzig for Spurs. And then they have to play at home to Wolves. 
And then the, the, the schedule gets a little easier for them, at least. Home to West Ham. Okay, Sheffield United's a tough one, but then home to Everton. They have to play Bournemouth, the North London Derby. So Chelsea, I feel, has a tougher one, I think. Um, Chelsea has to play Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Obviously, we talked about that Tottenham game. Uh, then they have to play Man City. Okay, no, it's not that tough as well. Away at West Ham, at home to Watford. So it's an even thing. But I just think on the overall way that the squads are playing, I believe Tottenham will sneak in that fourth spot. Romant- Fred Marie Romantic's perspective, Sheffield United would be an amazing oh, story that if a team that got promoted ended up finishing top four. And an English manager, Chris Wilder, would get champion. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be cool. Uh, let's move to Europe. And Erling Holland finally gets a start for Dortmund, gets two more goals. He's got seven in three games, only one of them as a starter. And you know what stood out to me, especially on the first goal he had in this game? If you watch his movement in the box and how he anticipates like w- what space to go to, it's incredible. Yeah, that to, he, me, that to me is my biggest thing about him. Yeah, I, just I, and he, ha- he finds different ways to apply it in different games. He is a really smart player. For a player that size, right. It's he's like he moves like like vintage Chicharito. Like he, he yeah. gets in the box. So I mean that goal this past weekend was so good. He anticipated the cross and he knew exactly what was gonna come in. And for somebody that size, it's very impressive. So Dortmund with another big win. I got a question in my mailbag last week from Maria I thought it was a good question. They were like in Italy and Germany, which of the which team that is sort of an outsider team that ha- is is in contention to win the title? Do you think actually could? And my response was, I think Juve is going to win the title in Italy, so it's not in Italy. But in Germany, I I picked Leipzig because I felt like they were the best balanced team. And Dortmund's defense is is pretty poor, has been for most of the season. So that's why I ruled out Dortmund. But yeah, I mean, out of the top four, they they have the worst. Uh, they've conceded more than actually. You can go all the way to the top six teams. Nobody's conceded more goals than Borussia Dortmund. But I'll tell you what. I may be rethinking that. I I may be starting to think that if. If there's one team in Germany that's going to end Bayern's run, and by the way, Bayern went back into first place yeah. in the Bundesliga over the weekend. Um, th- but if there is one team, maybe it's Dortmund. Maybe. I mean, it's so tight. You said Bayern's back on top with 42, Leipzig with 41, Dortmund with 28. But there's an outside shot. 38. The 38, I'm sorry, not 28, yeah. Uh, but there's an outside shot for Dortmund to to do this. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, Borussia Dortmund... Um, now has, I, I just feel like, and this is actually quintessential Bundesliga with the top teams. Conceding is almost inevitable, but due to the offensive firepower, they're always going to threaten to score more. Bayern Munich absolutely does that. I mean, they've scored 58 goals already, and, they're, you know, and they had a pretty rough start. Uh Dortmund just two goals behind that with 56. And now with Haaland and Jaden Sancho playing well, Royce, absolutely. Uh, I'm with you. I think they have the outside chance of, uh, of winning it. That was also an interesting game uh, between Leipzig and Gladbach. 
you know, two of those top four teams over the weekend. Ended up 2-2. Leipzig had to come from behind. They were down 2-0 at home. Another example on the weekend, along with the Man City game, of a player being sent off having a big impact on the result of the game. Uh, Gladbach had a player sent off um, in kind of a dumb play, similar to... Uh, Zinchenko for for Man City. And these are things that teams do, that players do, that can screw up seasons. Yep. You know? And it's a little disappointing because I, I, I just feel like, I mean, this could have been a huge win for Gladbach. Yeah. You know, real missed opportunity. And for Leipzig, I, you probably come out of it saying, well, at least we got something out of it. But that's a game you really need to win at home if you want to win the title. Yeah, I mean, sometimes things are simple as what they seem. I mean, it was good for, for Leipzig. They're still second. And Gladbach now, you know, drops to fourth with, with you know, on goal difference. Uh, by the way, Dortmund, you know, I know we'll talk about it, but what's going to be also interesting, again, is the Champions League when, yeah. when they PSG. play PSG, which is going to just be great. Actually, that that there's some great ties oh, I can't out. wait. Th- th- this is when the Champions League becomes great. I am, like, I was going to talk about this later, might as well now. I freaking miss the Champions oh, League. Oh, absolutely. I, like, this is too long. Like, quality soccer it's just the best it is the best it's just and and you know this right now the round of 16 is just a tremendous round like yeah and, and too many midweeks in january that kind of bum me out now we didn't mention this last week by the way your villa is in the final of the league cup so congratulations really Woo-hoo. cool really cool scenes so i'm really happy for you i'm happy for villa fans um i miss champions league Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Champions League is just like, you know, this is, is this, this isn't a surprising comment. It's just, you know, the best of the best playing against the best. And now that we have the round of 16, now that we have taken out the 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 contenders that really didn't really belong there uh, are, are now are now coming in, you know, just to recap now, round of 16 starting 18th. February 18th. February 18th. I will post on my Twitter the Champions League anthem. Love it. We got Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Dortmund, PSG. Uh, the next day is Atalanta against Valencia, Tottenham against Leipzig. And then the 25th, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, Napoli, Barcelona on the 25th again. And the day after that, the 26th is Lyon, Juventus, Real Madrid, Man City. Reminding ourselves that this is the first time ever that Every single round of 16 team in Champions League came from one of the biggest leagues in yep. Europe. Yep. First and, ever happened. And even the underdog, like Atalanta, um, you know, it's a good story and, and they're a good team. So all of them are, are good games. Um, let's talk a little bit about Italy. And I don't know if we've actually mentioned the name Chiro Mobile on the podcast this season. Yeah. Apologies, by the way, because that's we ridiculous. <laughs> maybe we should. Chiro Mobile is unbelievable. 25 goals in the league now for a Lazio team that is is really sticking around in the Serie A race. Just five points behind Juventus in third place. Inter just ahead. Um and Chiro Mobile has the most goals of any player in any big league in Europe. And I may just start to screw with people because it's become so common now for everyone to say, Robert Lewandowski is the best number nine in the world. I'm going to become, just to annoy people, no, it's Chiro Mobile. Chiro Mobile has scored 123 <laughs> Serie A goals over the past 10 seasons. Actually, I still think it's Lewandowski. But, uh, but no, he's been amazing. 
No, I mean, Lewandowski's Lewandowski, but like, there is no bad argument to be said about this man. It's unbelievable. 123 goals in the last 10 seasons, as you said. Um, you know, he, he's doing something that hasn't been done in 61 years, leading the race right now, 25 goals. It, it's just fantastic. And by the way, here's the thing, like, he's not doing it with a Juventus. He's not doing he it with a Bayern Munich. He doesn't have players around him. He no, just doesn't. He's doing it with Lazio, fair play to them. They're in Champions League contention. But, it's not a super giant team, and look what he's doing on a consistent basis. It's it's unbelievable. I, I do think this will be interesting to follow. I I, I do think Juventus is going to win the league, but you know, will the team that sticks around longer be Lazio or Inter? And by the way, with the European Championships this summer, it's going to be great to see. You you just know he's going to be lead lead the wave with Italy. Um, it's just great. So, yeah, I mean, you, I am with you. Juventus is still going to win this. But it's great to see the storyline of somebody like that who on a consistent basis just keeps delivering. While we're in Italy, just wanted to make a quick mention. Rocco Camiso, our old friend, the uh, former New York Cosmos owner based in New York, made a lot of news over the weekend by calling out the referees. He's, he's a Fiorentina owner now. And uh, he thought that uh, even though they were beaten pretty convincingly by Juventus, that the referees basically uh, were helping Juventus, which is uh, a story that is as kind of old as as time itself in yeah. Italy in terms <laughs> of people there thinking that the refs helped Juventus. But uh, the funniest part for me actually was seeing the video of this, uh, which like Fiorentina put on its official uh, Twitter, like him just ripping the refs, like in a way that like. <laughs> If it's anything like a league in America, he'll get fined for this. Um, but when Camiso speaks Italian, and I've interviewed him in English, he has the same mannerisms that he has when he speaks English, where he'll he'll rattle off some stuff and go, okay. And, like, <laughs> and he'll rattle off some stuff, okay. It, 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 like the fact that he did it in Italian, just as he does in English, made me giggle for some reason. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> Because my mannerisms he's, change completely when I speak Spanish. He's a fascinating guy. I'm going to try and get him on the the podcast yeah, for great. an interview uh, one of these weeks. Because, um, you know, he's a multi-billionaire um, cable operator um, and obviously owned the Cosmos. Uh, big uh, questioner of the U.S. Soccer Federation. He's had litigation against the U.S. Soccer Federation. Basically just decided... It seemed like on a whim to buy Fiorentina. <laughs> so, this guy sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, you know, he played at Columbia way back in the day, Columbia University. Uh, and when I went out and visited him, um, it was during the U.S. Uh, soccer presidential campaign because he was pretty influential in supporting some candidates. And um, it was kind of a cool thing to go out and spend some time with him in his office. And he had all these pictures up uh, from his days in uh, playing soccer columbia university i love it um interesting guy rocco camiso um definitely speaks his mind let's talk about spain where real madrid and barcelona both win uh not particularly convincingly real madrid maybe with a better excuse because they're playing atletico they get a one nothing win uh barcelona behind two goals by ansu fati beats was it Leganés? yeah uh two to one and by the way, you got to watch that first goal. Like both assist, both goals by Ansu Fati, assisted by Lionel Messi, and the first assist Ridiculous. is absolute poetry. Yeah. But you know, as the game went on, it just became a um, 
a sort of average victory. It was fine. It was good. Uh, like you said, I think Real Madrid had the tougher opponent in the derby. Uh, and again, it's, I think now it's it's up to both of them uh, to see who wins it. My money, I think, again, if I have to put some money or if, I have to, if I'm a betting man, I'm sticking with Real Madrid and, and their, uh, the way that Zidane has kind of amazingly, I mean, it took a little time, but he's revitalized them and consistency is the key. They're winning ugly. They're winning well. They're winning away from home. Um, again, I know it's an old record comment, but um, the Champions League will, will have a bit of a, a say on it just because of injury. I think losing Luis Suarez is, is major. Right. Um, and Real Madrid doesn't have that problem. So, you know, time will tell, but I think Real Madrid will take this. A quick question. Toward the end of the transfer window, there were some bizarre uh, reports coming out. I think it was like Sky Sports that Barcelona was trying to get Richarlison from Everton yeah. and Everton was saying no. And it seemed like a ton of BS, like the whole thing. I There was nothing that really linked anything with anything. It just reported, I mean, maybe there was a phone call. <laughs> hey, Richarlison available by any chance? Uh, but I, I doubt it. Uh, nothing really came into it. Um, first of all, his like transfer uh, fee would have been huge and his wage demand so there was no way Barcelona was doing that um, it, it just, just doesn't have the money I mean are we forgetting about the Griezmann purchase um, so it, again it was just hearsay it was n- nothing more than that but the major focal point is the fact that they have to really rely on their young players and, and I mean you know, Kike Setien likes doing that that's fine but actually yeah I kind of like seeing some of these young guys wow. that the Barcelona fans have been wanting to see. Absolutely. Um, I just think it's going to be hard for them, um, you know, moving forward here. I also thought in that Real Madrid Lady game that there was a penalty that should have been called that wasn't. Mm. And for the uh, Morata got hit in the box and um, kind of think they were hard done by. And, and they had chances in the first half. Yeah. And then the second half was more Real Madrid. And Benzema, by the way, just continues to do what he does. He scores. Uh, not a lot of respect. Probably never going to play for France again. <laughs> but so Listen, I, I talked to him, uh, when was it? This past summer? And the, he just has his chip on his shoulder. He doesn't show it that much, but he's so... <laughs> it's. Re- I mean, he is just so consistent for them. Even when Ronaldo was there, too. It's, and, yeah, he just doesn't get the respect that he does. I mean... I mean and yeah, France, forget about it. <laughs> it's over. But we we say underrated, underrespected. Is he the like for any sort of big club the most underrespected, underrated? I just player? know that whenever we have a conversation, or whenever I this is social media discussion about the best number nines out there, right? And Benzema becomes at some point somebody will be like, "What are you talking about?" Right? And it's ridiculous. He's just such a consistent goal scorer for for Real Madrid is it's just unbelievable. Uh, so he deserves that discussion, absolutely. As we move to North America, I want to bring up something here. This was a story late last week, and I feel horrible for the kid. Uh, Anthony Robinson, U.S. men's national team left back, was this was basically a done deal, and the, all they needed was the medical, which he went to Milan. Here's a kid playing for Wigan at the bottom of the second tier in England, and AC Milan wants to buy him for 10 million euros. U.S. men's national team player, who, by the way, hasn't actually been called in that much for the U.S. men's national team. And he was uh, so close to play with Slatan and And he goes to Milan for the medical. 
and apparently they needed to do more tests. And this is literally the official release from Wigan about why this didn't end up going through. They needed 72 hours to do the, the additional tests. And this was the last day in the transfer window. And so the deal was off. Can you imagine if you're Anthony Robinson about to move to AC Milan, you literally travel to AC Milan, have your medical, and the deal's off. I feel that in those situations, Ugh. the league should give some kind of... Dispensation. Uh, yeah, or just say, be, because the process has already begun, s officially, I mean, he literally was there doing his medical, like a 24-hour extension or something. Or they could have had their act together and, and do it earlier. The last day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, or do it earlier, right? I mean, listen, it's funny that we laugh. I mean, we don't laugh about it, but it's funny that we're talking about, you know, these late uh, transfer deals or whatever. I remember way back, you know, teams would literally wait until the last right. second to do this. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I guess these are people like who would write their big paper like the night before it was due or something, and yeah. now they're at all running all the soccer clubs in Europe. I don't know. That's exactly what it is. Mike, that's goodness. a really good just, example. Just actually, crushing, though. it's that guy. You're a sophomore in college, and you got to hand in your history paper. It's three a.m., and you just got to do it. Oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I feel for the kid, but hopefully, you know, he'll keep performing. And and you just want him to keep his head up. Um, and if if Milan's coming for you for for ten million euros, then you would think other clubs would be interested in him. I, the most surprising thing to me was that this was even a possibility of happening. Mm. And so I ended up writing in my mailbag last week. I contacted our old friend Dan Altman, uh, who runs Smarter Scout, to get a sense of what he thought about the data about Anthony Robinson. Did they actually support him moving to a club like Milan? And he actually said yes. And it was an interesting explanation just from a data perspective. He thought um, that he actually did match up fairly well in, in several areas uh, with like a Danny Rose, mm. with Teo. Uh, it's, that's promising. And it makes you wonder why he isn't necessarily the first choice left back for Greg Berhalter in the U.S. men's national team. But we've seen him. Like, he's very good getting forward, Robinson. He's kind of shaky on the defensive side. We've seen that. But, I mean, 22 years old, okay, fair enough, Wigan are not doing that well, but the championship is no joke. It's a good, True. It's a good league, and there's a lot to, to work, and I don't know, there just needs to be, there needs, I mean, there, I, it seems to me that, uh, you know, for what he lacks defensively, he could be molded into something interesting. Oh, and, he's 22, and, so he's got- He's so young. Room to grow. Yeah. Um, let's stick with the U.S. men's national team. Um one nothing against Costa Rica in a game that about 10 people saw out in uh, Southern California. It's a January camp, and so it, it is what it is, right? But I did think it was promising to see Ulysses Yanez do what he did, um, gets the goal. Actually, as we learned after the game, he was not the designated penalty taker. Ariola had been for most of the month, and uh, Ulianez all of 18 years old, Wolfsburg under 19, uh, debut for the U.S. senior men's national team, steps up and buries the penalty in front of his family and home fans. He used to be with LA Galaxy 2. I thought he had a pretty good game. Um, not perfect, obviously. Nobody did. But I thought 
him, Reggie Cannon, who drew the penalty, very good from the right back position. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jesus Ferreira, uh, I thought, a nice debut for the U.S. Uh, as well against a, a Costa Rica team that opted not to play its its kids even though they had several of their Olympic age guys. And this is potentially good for U.S. Olympic qualifying, uh, which is in March. I thought it was a good win. I mean, like you said, this this wasn't like a, a young, untested Costa Rica. I mean, Kaylor Navas obviously wasn't there, but you had Ureña was playing, uh, uh, um, Venegas was playing, Tejada, experienced players that have played for the national yeah. team. And this was a young U.S. team that, you know, in front of five people um, did yeah, well, right? <laughs> I'm with you, by the way. Listen, when these situations happen, what are you doing, U.S. soccer? Why don't you just go to local academies, local high schools? Make it rain with uh, free tickets. Just free tickets and load that place up. Yeah. And not you're hitting two birds. You're hitting as two birds with one stone. One, you're filling up your stadium. Two, you're strengthening your relationship with your, your with your young fan base. It's just it's a no brainer. Should be, should be. Um, apparently, wasn't. Um, so U.S. women's national team, um, you know, as expected, nobody really expected them to to have difficulties in the group stage of Olympic uh, qualifying tournament. A little tougher than expected against Haiti. Bad first half for the U.S. Uh, ends up being four nothing, and then they beat Panama eight um, nothing. Is there, I, I did talk about this a bit with Meg Linehan in our interview last Thursday. If you want to listen to more detail, um, but. Uh, Everything about this tournament is for qualifying for the Olympics. That all comes down to do you win your semifinal? That would be for the U.S. February 7th, this Friday night, um, out in Carson, California, where hopefully we'll see a few more fans. Yeah, and I think, you know, as the as the year goes on, she believes Cup will be a really good yeah. indicator as well with, you know, England, Spain, and, and Japan. But, you know, it's 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 step by step. And, you know, don't forget, you know, Alex Morgan is not there, even though you have Carly Lloyd, of course. Carly Lloyd, who was, by the way... How many uh, Super Bowl commercials twice, was she in? Twice. She did two. The NFL one and the secret uh, one. Good job, Carly yeah. Lloyd's agent. I know, right? Get nice that work. money. Uh, Christine Sinclair, we should mention, breaking the all-time international goals record. Um, that's a big freaking story, and it, I thought it was a little underplayed globally. I, I get why other countries maybe... I don't get it, actually. That's a huge story. Um, it was a, appropriately, I think, covered in Canada. But, you know, this was a situation where she just has an amazing longevity and ability, you know, to score 185 international goals. It takes a lot of factors. It, it takes being good for a really long time. Uh, it takes, you know, having, you know, keeping your starting spot for years and years and years and fending off other people. It takes staying healthy. You know, like Alex Morgan looked like the earlier part of her career, she was potentially on track to produce these types of goal numbers internationally, but now she's kind of not. Like this is a hard thing to continue doing. Absolutely, she's Christine Sinclair. I'm with you. It was I think it was really underreported. I mean, 36 years old, and again the same thing with him. We said about Immobile. I mean, Canada's a good team, but they're not the U.S. The U.S. So, like, to right. do this at a consistent basis is unbelievable. Uh, so, congrats to Christine Sinclair. It's incredible. She's also an example, Christine Sinclair, that you don't. The personality of a a, a great goal scorer doesn't have to be sort of a dominant 
look at me Slatin. personality. Right. Like Christine Sinclair is one of the more mild mannered players I've ever covered of great stature, I would say. And like she didn't even want to really get roped into celebrating this and her teammates appropriately made sure she did. <laughs> yeah, well and rightly so. I just yeah, yeah. Well she's just she gets the job done. And that's the best thing that you can say about such a great player, I think. I'm very curious to see in the rest of this tournament. I think the US is gonna qualify and it depends how the matchups work for the semifinal deciders. But Mexico is starting is having a better tournament than they've had in a while. They beat Jamaica. Uh, Jamaica just had the wheels fall off uh, after they qualified for the World Cup last year. But, um, you know, everyone kind of assumes it's going to be the U.S. and Canada qualifying for the Olympics. Keep an eye on Mexico. Yeah. Good, good, good note there. Um, let's talk a little bit about Inter-Miami. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for a big name. Is Rodolfo Pizarro, who looks likely to go there from Mexico, um, is that a big enough name? Yeah, I mean it's a big name. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm just I, I I just call me I don't know maybe a cliched saying, but I I believe that this should have been a number nine. I think uh, still could theoretically, and I they mean, still they, could correct more than one right. Spot. But no, let's not take anything away. This is this is a big player. Well, tell our listeners who maybe don't watch a lot of Liga MX what kind of player he is. Rodolfo Pizarro uh, plays for Rayados Monterrey. Uh, as we know, just, uh, you know, Monterrey, who won the Apertura just recently, but also, you know, you saw them in the Club World Cup. He is um, a very creative midfielder who can play behind the striker. He can mobilize as a six as well. Um, and he is in the mold, not as, obviously, as, as prominent as a David Silva, but he's, he's in that mold. Like, he, he really is a creator. He, he, he's the architect that can help move the chains um, as well as really serve as that, you know, a false nine, even if he has to. But he's, you know, comes, first of all, he already has a relationship with Diego Alonso um, in terms of, you know, how much they know each other from Liga MX. But most importantly, he comes with a tremendous amount of, of on-pitch experience in a really good league for such a young age. And it's actually a, a really nice get if it happens, as it looks like it's going to for Inter-Miami. I, I have a few questions. I feel like that team still needs a few more things, obviously. And it's interesting from a marketing perspective, a Mexican player going there, um, as opposed to... Um, you know, like a, a South American. Uh, sorry. Um, no, for, like, as opposed yeah, to like yeah, a South American. Yeah, exactly. Player. I wasn't thinking of a specific country, but as opposed to like a South American player, like an Argentinian or right. something like that. But that's besides the point. This is a this is a very good player. And uh, actually, you know what? He's very Bruno Fernandes. Okay. Right? He, he If you have a triangle in the midfield, he would be that top tip. And um, very much like how Carlos Vela sometimes easily moves around outside the box, the same thing happens for Rodolfo Pizarro. Oh, we also saw Will Trapp get traded mm. uh, from Columbus to Inter Miami, so you expect him to play the six. Um, you know what? You don't want to be a captain in MLS because all the captains get traded, it seems like. <laughs> it's, this is the craziest league. I, forget, it, I sat down with Dax McCarty, 
who had been the captain at Chicago and got traded to Nashville. Before that, he was the captain of the Red Bulls, got traded to Chicago. Robles is down now in Miami, former Red Bulls captain. Yep. Like, it's almost like, seriously, I had this discussion with Robles when he came on, well, it's actually part of our interview from our old video show, um, where he was kind of like not kidding when he said that you didn't really want to be the captain on the Red Bulls because they all got traded. Such a question. All those guys. <laughs> Such a good point. Shouldn't there be a franchise thing then, just like the NFL? Protect your captain? Like if you <laughs> Basically, MLS is encouraging not to be a leader. Just be quiet. Just do your game because otherwise you're going to get traded. I'm just trying to actually think about why this is. And, and I guess part of it is if you're, like, if you're a Dax McCarty mm. and you are a good leader, that's why you become captain. But it does mean that other teams are going to want you and your salary isn't so high because even though you're a good leader, you're not necessarily a DP. Maybe that has something to do with why more captains get traded in MLS. I feel like somebody should make a like a graphic about all the captains who've been traded in the last yeah. few years, including Will Trapp now. No, it, it is a really good point. <laughs> but I mean, part of it also is, I think being a leader in MLS is really important. Oh yeah. Um, just the way that the rhythm of a game in MLS goes, you need those big voices uh, throughout it. So yeah, no, it's an interesting, interesting. But back to Rodolfo Pizarro, he is a leader himself too. I mean, he even though he's twenty five, he'll come in with if you know if he comes with so much knowledge and pedigree, and also he fits the narrative of what's going on right now. Liga MX players coming here, etc. And he would be different to like a. Uh, and Edison Flores or whatever, he's a much more vocal person like Vela is. And let's not forget, I mean, he has five goals for Mexico in 25. Oh, yeah. So this this kid can play. So it's a big deal. Uh, but again, it's intriguing to me. But like you said, if they bring in a DP that's also number nine, then that should make it even... But things are slowly falling into place. By the way, Diego Alonso is a really good manager. He's very pragmatic and he's very willing. So it's going to be, it's an interesting project what they're doing. So I want to wind up here asking your thoughts on MLS kits, which we're starting to see leak out. And I think, and I'll start with Inter Miami. I was really excited, as was Harry Swartout, our producer, to get a full pink uh, Inter Miami shirt. Great badge, great design. It appears, unless there's going to be a surprise here, it appears that we're not going to get that. Yeah, there's going to be less pink. And and why on earth would you do that? Why on earth would there be so many cookie-cutter designs from Adidas for these MLS kits? Because if you want to get people gnashing their teeth about the single-entity system, this is one tangible way to do it, and people are upset. Because there's there's just too many T-shirts and I don't, I'm tired of hearing that something is fresh or clean. It's just bad. <laughs> it's not interesting. I love it. I love how passionate you are about this. Yeah, listen, I, I'm with you. I mean, pink is such an emblematic color for for Miami, and it just made sense with you know the overall abundance of pink with black. By the way, for those who haven't seen it, it's 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 reportedly you know going to be just one is going to be um, a white t-shirt. A white. <laughs> it's going to be all white. Uh, with some uh, 
uh, pink, uh, you know, Adidas-ish uh, stripes around the shirt. How many of these kids have the three stripes on the shoulder this year, which yeah. is... is ah. And there's like subtle flamingo images like inside it. The track jackets will be pink, apparently, like all, but not the kit, not the kit. Um, I kind of like the white one, but I'm with, I'm with what you're saying. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. You, you had it, you such a... You think it's clean? It's so clean. <laughs> so fresh. <laughs> no, but what was that that that, that kid? Uh, who does it in, in Serie Um Who does it that was in pink? I mean, I know Juventus had one once, but there was... But anyway, it's such a good color like to, yeah. to just really show off. It's a shame if it's not the actual main focal point. Yes. Um, so we'll see the kit releases. Maybe there'll be some surprises, uh, but the ones I've seen have been sort of underwhelming um and this isn't the first has there been any major changes to any means i saw toronto fc's that's kind of cool it's clean (laughs) head exploding (laughs) uh no yeah they're pretty they're fine they're they're under i think underwhelming but i will say this is this a soccer thing to complain about kits yes like i don't like does anyone like who's like an nba fan complain about the uniform well nba and nfl fans do have comments our producer Producer yeah i mean his hand but I don't think, I think soccer is where you really get right. your passionate. Uh, it's beca- well, part of it is such, there's such a historical, you know, um, significance to them. Yeah, you know, like for, if if you if we dare to ever change Peru's, for example, right, there will be civil war. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. I'm just excited for the season, man. I don't think I've been excited about an MLS season as much as this one. Oh, we also uh, didn't mention the labor talks. Uh, they extended the deadline to February 7th, which is this Friday. So mm-hmm. maybe they could get a deal done this week. It also kind of could be an artificial deadline that might move it again. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League would be the first potential competitive games that it might impact MLS teams. I don't think you would see a, a work stoppage for CCL. I think you would if the deal's not done for the regular season, starting mm-hmm. February 29th. But we're in February right now, and it's been a long offseason in MLS. I'm fired up to have some real games coming up, and I actually think that you know a couple MLS teams, LAFC, maybe Seattle, uh, could do well in Champions League. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Time. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm excited. Definitely. So that is it for this week's episode. want to ha- thank... Harry Swartout, producer, for his tremendous work as always. I'm sorry. I'll apologize for soccer people that we don't have a, a fully pink uh, Inner Miami kit for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe we make one here. Um, and as always, Luis Miguel Echigaray, Grant Wall. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs>